actually, before, uh, before my brother Josh here leaves the stage, I just want to ask, uh, I'm going to turn this off. Can you guys hear me? We're good? I love this brother. Appreciate him. He's like a silent ninja. Doesn't he look like a ninja? And um, No, one of the things I appreciate about Josh, he's been here for a, a few years now. I've uh, been a member here, and um, he's getting ready to leave, go back home to Alabama. His family's already uh, left. Uh, but I just appreciate this brother because I say he's like a ninja because he just serves silently in the background. This is perhaps the most public thing he's ever done, and, and it's probably been uh, past his comfort zone, but I appreciate his desire to, to just serve the Lord wherever he has. But, man, he's helped out in so many different areas, but you would never know it. And um, just because, and so I'm not uh, calling him up here and calling him out to, to brag on him because he's human just like all of us. We're all in the same boat. But just to acknowledge, because the Bible tells us to acknowledge those who are just walking with God and serving faithfully. And so I appreciate you, brother. We're going to miss you. He's, uh, yes, we can give him a round of applause. And uh, pray for him and his family. Uh, his wife, Joanne, his boys are already down there. He's he's here, uh, still working. And um until probably October, we were talking earlier this morning, uh, works over at, at Sentara. Uh, in fact, one of the most beautiful ways, in fact, they, the, the church folks do tell on you. Uh, they're, they're good about that because he works at the hospital. But uh, Jim Wells, one of our men, was like, yeah, Josh came to see me. And, uh, and, uh, and, and Shannon Reynolds, um, you know, uh, Josh was there. And, and it's just a beautiful way. And so appreciate this, brother. And I just want to acknowledge that. Uh, so y'all, y'all make sure that the remaining time this brother has here, you love on him. You, you encourage him and invite him over for lunch or dinner. That'll be a blessing. So appreciate you, brother. Let's pray, and then we'll uh, continue to dig into God's word. Father, thank you. Thank you for the word of God. Thank you for servants like Josh and many, many others, Lord, faithful servants who serve behind the scenes. God, as we've often said, Lord, and as you have reminded us, uh, a church is not built upon the, the gifts and talents of a few, but on the sacrifice of many. And Lord, mostly a church is built upon the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. He is our foundation. And without him, Lord, all of us, God, we are, are unable to do anything. But God, with Jesus as our foundation, you have said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I thank you for this, brother. Bless him. And Lord, as we gather around your word today, Father, we just pray, God, you would speak to us. Uh, God, that you, through your word, would challenge us, would encourage us. And God, that as we prayed earlier, we'd, we'd see you and meet you more clearly in the scriptures today, in your love letter for us. So, Father, in this time, we pray, we worship you, God. We worship you with our minds, with our attention, and, uh, and God, our focus is on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so you got your Bibles. Mine's here on the floor, and uh, we are ready to dive in. Matthew chapter 7 is where we're at. We're in the series on the Sermon on the Mount. It's where we've been camped out. This is part 11. Can you guys believe it? We've been in here for 11 weeks. And um, and so as I find my place in Matthew, because my 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 ribbon is missing, and um, I had it in someplace else for something we were doing yesterday. And I want to thank you, church. I was gone last week over at the Journey Church, the church plant we've been supporting. And uh, man, it was a, a blessing to be there. I want to thank you for uh, being a generous church you are. And uh, man, Pastor Nate was just moved by you guys. I want to thank you for giving generously. I believe we collected uh, over six hundred dollars to help the Journey Church uh, continue to thrive. We've been helping them again for the past three years, and, and that has been instrumental uh, in that new church, a new work that God is doing in Chesapeake. You have had a part in that. And so I want to thank you for your generosity, and you may feel like you hadn't done anything, but I'm telling you, every time 
you, you give, you, you have a role to play. And, um, and man, I got to see it firsthand. And, and anyone who ever wants to go out to the Journey Church, um, you know, uh, ask us. We'll, we'll send you the address. Uh, they're online, all that sort of stuff. Man, but I got to see firsthand uh, the work that God is doing, how they went from a living room to a small room in the bank. And if you were here last week, Pastor Nate just kind of retold that story. And, and now, man, probably 70, 80 people strong and uh, people serving, uh, doing great things in the community. And I uh, got to meet some of the people that have come to faith in Christ and baptized one young lady named Sydney. Got to meet her. Of course, I got a Sydney in my family, so it was a great connection. And uh, another young man, uh, Jacob, kind of like some of our own folks, like David Carney back there, middle school student serving uh, in the background, and like Pierce back there serving, you know, and, and people of all ages and abilities just doing what God has called them to do. And, uh, and his family started coming to church uh, because he was invited and got a connection there. So it was really cool uh, just to see that. So I just wanted to thank you for that as we, we dive into, uh, before we dive into the message, really. Uh, but this idea of the Sermon on the Mount, right, is this, this sermon that Jesus gives, perhaps his most well-known sermon. Uh, a lot of the sayings of Jesus that come into our culture are, are from these passages here in Matthew. So it's, it's Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, and we'll be navigating that here today. And, um, and really what the Sermon on the Mount about is, in, and, and it's kind of in that picture there, right? It's that sin has turned the world upside down, and Jesus came to turn it what? Y'all help me. Right side up. And that's what he's doing. And so he starts with, man, what is it like? Because people who are Christians, they become kingdom people. So we have a different way of living, a different way of operating. And what do kingdom people act like and behave like and talk like? And so he starts with the be attitudes, what your attitude should be, right? And he starts with being poor in spirit, meaning I admit I am, I am poor in the spiritual sense. I need help. I'm bankrupt spiritually. And, and he just kind of goes through and he says, your righteousness, the whole sermon kind of hangs on this passage in Matthew 6, your righteousness got to be greater than the, the religious leaders of that day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And people are like, how is that possible? There's no way I could be as righteous as those people. And he says, here, because when you're a Christian, I'm, I move in. The Holy Spirit moves into a Christian's heart and I begin to change you from the inside out. And, and my love, my character begins to work its way out in your life in all different ways. And so it's not superficial religion. It's deep and true heart change. And so it's righteousness comes into our lives. I, I heard one pastor uh, call it like this. He said, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' words are kind of like a spiritual MRI. Y'all ever got an MRI? Many of y'all have gotten an MRI before, but you know, something is wrong and they can't see it. On the x-ray, they can't see it just by looking at you. So they say, hey, get an MRI. And, uh, and some of you are having flashbacks already now, and I apologize for that. I, I, I hate to bring that back up. And, um, but the MRI looks deeper into the They say, oh, man, you, you got a contusion here. You got, you got some, some swelling on the, uh, on the brain. You got, you got this thing going on side here in your intestines. You got this going on, and it, it, it navigates you. And Jesus is, is saying, hey, your kingdom people, your Christians, let me, let me put you in the MRI, right? And so he goes through with, with these different issues of life, right? Are, are, you, are you filled with murder? All the people would say, no, I'm not filled with murder. Jesus says, hey, get in the MRI. And then he asks this question, is, is there anger in your heart? Whoa, 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 Jesus. No, we don't have to take it there. And he starts, he says, hey, are you, are you an adulterous person? You commit adultery? No, I never commit adultery. I'm a decent, upstanding citizen. He says, all right, let's get in the MRI. Have you ever looked at somebody with lustful eyes? It's like, ooh, ooh. Are you a generous person? 
Of course I'm generous. All right, get an MRI. Let's see. And he, and he talks about giving. And again, it's giving, it's praying, it's generosity, it's, it's pure purity in our hearts, all from that inward change. And so that's really where we've been. And, uh, and so what Jesus cuts through here is, is the biggest dangers for many people that go to church, for many Christians, is that we do things without thinking about them instead of doing them from a heart that delights in God and wants to know God more. So we pray, we read the Bible, we fast because we want to know God more, not because it's a religious thing to do. And so now we get to this passage here on judging, right? This is awesome. So the title of today's message is How to Cure Your Eye Disease. Reach over, touch your neighbor, and ask him, say, do you got an eye disease? Yes. You got an eye disease? You can. It's okay to talk to your neighbor, get to know some people around you. You might have an eye disease. I don't know about you, but we live in a judgmental world, don't we? Our world and culture encourages us to judge things, right? You buy something on Amazon, what are they asking you to do? Rate it. Rate the package. Rate the product. Rate the delivery speed. If you don't get here in two days, oh, I'm upset. Oh, my gosh. Without Amazon Prime, how did people live before? Right? This is unheard of. i got to wait a whole week for something. Lord knows. Gosh, I couldn't do it. Right? You, you, you take a ride on Uber, and you are asked to rate your drive. Um, how many of you know this? If you've if you're ever taken Uber before, hey, Mom, I'll call you right back. Um, and, um, and so they even, you can get rated as a passenger. If you, if you, if you are familiar with that, you get rated as a passenger. Some of you are like, I'm, I'm a good passenger, you know? And so, um, and so we, we rate everything. Yelp, right? I mean, we, we, we rate the stores and businesses that we go to. And, and what is that? It's a judgment thing, right? Um, uh, there are even other things. And then when you talk about watching TV, you talk about preachers, right? Most of us, let's be honest now, you have never stepped foot on an NFL team. I'm looking. Maybe we got some sneaky NFL people, right? We got some Josh, some Ninja type. You might have played in the NFL back in the days. Most of you have never um, professionally figure skated. Most of you have probably never professionally in the Olympics done gymnastics, right? And, um, and yet we will armchair quarterback. We will talk about baseball players and golfers and gymnasts. And we will judge the daylights out of them. I can't believe he did that. Why would the coach make that decision? That is more. How could he miss that? It was right there. This, he's, all he's got to do is swing. It was right there. What is wrong with him? What is wrong with her? We're just encouraged to judge everything. And let's be honest. Most of us in the morning when we leave, we judge our entire neighborhood. Let's just be honest now. It's okay. This is a safe place. I can be honest with you. You can be honest with me. You get out your car and you look out at the neighbor's yard. You look at their house and you say, oh, my, look, what, why would, look at their grass. Look at their grass. How, how, why is it so long? Why is it so? And then some of you on the opposite, you're like, look at their grass. It's so green and beautiful. They think they're better than everybody else. Oh, my gosh. Perfect lines, straightened. No little dandelions growing up. Oh, Mr. Goody Tooth, Mr. You know, HGTV, you know, who do they think they are? And, uh, and then, and then you'll, you get into the car and you back out and then, and then you, you, why do they park there? Don't they know the rules? Like, this is common sense. Why do they got to park their car there? Every Friday they park their car there. These people, oh my God. And oh, 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 look at her. What, what is she wearing? 
Doesn't she have a mirror? What? Right? You hadn't even left your neighborhood yet. And I've judged. I'm saying this from personal experience, people. I've done the same thing. We have judged the entire neighborhood before we've even left. Look at those kids out there unsupervised. Got a bunch of kids out there. Five of those little rascals running all around. Must be the Mackie kids out there tearing up the street. And oh my gosh, don't those people know how to watch their kids, don't they? Why do they have so many kids anyways? You know, I mean, it's like we we just judge people all day long. And so here's the question for us this morning. Are we to judge people or are we not? I grew up listening to all different kinds of music. One of the popular sayings uh, from artists like Tupac and others was like, only God can judge me. In fact, I was just with somebody the other day. I saw that tattoo on their leg, and I was like, I remember that. I was about to get the same tattoo, and only God can judge me. And uh, it's a very popular phrase. And so we look at this passage. We look at uh, judging others, and it's like, man, are we supposed to judge people? And it's very common in our day, too. To say, hey, don't, don't, don't judge me. And so, are we supposed to judge people or not? Because some people would say, well, what about things that are right and wrong? Are we not supposed to say anything about that? And if and if nobody speaks up when evil goes on, um, then evil will continue to prevail, right? And um, it and, and so nobody speaks up against uh, horrific violence, then violence will continue to prevail. And so, how are we supposed to know the lines here? And are we supposed to judge people? And I believe Jesus helps us here greatly. And again, here's what he's going to do. He's going to say, are you judgmental? No, no, Pastor, I'm, I'm never judgmental. Get an MRI. Let's, let's check the inside, not just the outside, but the inside. Because judging others really comes down to a heart posture of others and how we view other people and how we view ourselves and how we view God. And so let's navigate here. i got a couple points for you. You can write them down. If you're really spiritual, I won't judge you. <clears throat> I judge the people that don't take notes. I judge the people that do take notes. Point number one is this. Be gracious instead of critical. Be gracious instead of critical. God has called us to view other people with gracious eyes, with gracious hearts, instead of a critical eye, always looking for faults, always looking uh, to find out what's wrong. Some of you can come into a room and you can just point out what's wrong in a room already, right? You're looking at the beams, looking at the paint, look at all this stuff, you look at the floor, and you can just find 40 things wrong in one room as soon as you get into right? And instead of finding a gracious posture. Uh, now, I'm not saying that's all bad, by the way. That can be used. It really goes down to, man, how does your heart position work in that? If you come at it with a judgmental attitude uh, versus a helpful attitude, and uh, one of our elders, uh, he'll sometimes text me or ask me some questions. And he's like, hey, I hope I'm not being too critical. And, um, and I'm like, no, you're, you're not being critical because you're, you're seeking to help me. Now, if you came at me like, why didn't you, you know, blah, 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 you're such a terrible pastor. And, uh, but, man, he'll ask me some, some good questions. I really appreciate that. And, uh, and I appreciate the, the, hey, I hope this doesn't come across as too critical because that shows where the man's heart is. Amen. He says, I'm not trying to be critical. I'm trying to be helpful. Look at, look at the first two verses there, right? In Matthew 7. Judge not that you be judged. Judge not that you be judged. What is he saying here? He explains it further in verse 2, right? He says, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be 
judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Like what an old preacher said, he said when your yardstick becomes a boomerang. You know how we get our yardsticks out and we start measuring other people by how they walk, talk, dress, blah, blah, blah. Uh, what You know, they got a big Bible, they got a small Bible, they got no Bible at all, right? We've done all kinds of things. And, um, and he says that measuring stick is going to come back to hit you like a boomerang. Because with the judgment you use, it will be judged to you. What is Jesus saying? He's saying be gracious. Because let's be honest, right? When you blow it, when you, when you fail and fall on your face, how do you want people to treat you? You want them to be all hypercritical or you want them to be like, oh, man, I know your heart. I know you were trying real hard. Oh, man, don't. it's okay. You want them to be generous, right? You want them to, to think the best about you. Oh, they were late. Oh, they're always late. I know why they're late because they just don't care about this job. They just don't care about this. I mean, they just don't care about me. They are so rude, right? We begin to assume the worst about people instead of being generous with them, instead of thinking, man, you know what? I, I don't know how far away they live. They might got some kids. They may got to take them to this babysitter and this, and they got no help. Like, you know, be generous with people instead of critical. The yardstick you use will become your boomerang. Here's the thought, right? When, when, when you're tempted to judge people, be an intercessor, not an interrogator. You know what I mean? Be an intercessor, meaning you intercede on their behalf. Begin to pray for that person, right? Begin to pray for yourself. If you're ticked for something they, they've done, man, just intercede. Say, God, help me right now. Uh, I ask a blessing over this person because I'm tempted to judge them right now. And, uh, and I'm not going to be an interrogator, right? Instead of just being all judgmental, begin to, man, just ask God's spirit to come over you. Because the reality is, we're ignorant of most people's situations. We really are. We are not honestly able to judge them for all the things. You don't know what their life is. You know what their heart is. You can't assume all those things. And yet we're so guilty of doing that. We, we, we judge people of other political persuasions, of, of, of other um, belief situations, and, and other things that they do. And it's like, man, this is not what God has called us to do because he's saying, you would be judged by that situation. And what do you typically want? You typically want people to be gracious. Hey, hey, look, you still got to be here on time, but I know you got all this stuff going on. And so uh, I, I, I don't hate you, but I still need you to show up on time. Please don't be late again. But man, I love you. Instead of going to the other coworkers and be like, did you see them? They're late all the time. Sloppy people. My goodness, what kind of people raise them? And, you know, we just get going on about stuff like that. And so, man, we're ignorant of people's situations, right? Uh, There's another passage in 1 Corinthians. I love this passage here because this really gets to the key. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I love what the Apostle Paul writes. He says, but, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. Why does he say I don't even judge myself? Because I don't even know all my own motives sometimes. How many of you are familiar with that? Sometimes you don't even know why you behave the way you do, right? I'm like, why did I just do that? I don't know why I did that. I gotta ask myself that question all the time. I don't even judge myself. Verse 4, for I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. In other words, he's saying, I'm not even aware that there's any blatant sin in my life, but I also know the truth is I'm a sinner, and so that doesn't mean I'm acquitted. Look what he says. It is the Lord who what? Judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time. 
before the Lord comes, who will watch what he does, watch what the Lord does, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. And so he's saying, man, we can't see into people's hearts, but God is the only one that can. And so we leave that up to him. And so, man, we start by being generous, not not critical, because this really comes again from the, the, the first part of the Sermon on the Mount is this being poor in spirit. When I admit that I'm poor in spirit, I admit I got a lot of issues. You know what I don't have time to mess with? Everybody else's issues. I'm so busy trying to get myself right with God, I don't have time to point out all your flaws. At least that's how we should be. But you know what happens is, usually, I found this to be true, usually the thing we're barking at the most in other people is the thing we are most guilty of. Right? You, you see preachers on TV or some other place, and they're hollering out against the, the evils of homosexuality and sexual immorality. And then you come to find out they've been practicing the same thing and abusing children or boys for years. And the thing we're often barking against, we're, we're often barking at people because they're untrustworthy or because they're greedy. And, oh, man, I can't believe that. And really, it's because we're hiding something in our heart. And, and in some way, we're, we're kind of asking for help. And so we have to be careful about that. And so it starts with this Sermon on the Mount of, man, I am poor in spirit, and I need Jesus. I need Him to fill me. I am weak without Him. I, I come from, from a, a bankrupt position. And when I have that posture of humility, then I start reflecting that posture of humility on other people. I love the quote by Charles Hodges. We'll throw it on the screen for you. Because of how he was impacted Christ, he said this, No man can be severe in his judgment who feels the mild eyes of Christ are fixed upon him. Man, when you think about it, you think about how Jesus has treated you and I for, for the, the, the gross amount of sin we have committed against him, for the things we have said and done over and over again. And how does Christ look upon you and me with mild eyes of love that says, I took that punishment for you on the cross. And Jesus doesn't look at us with, with those judgment eyes. He looks at us with fiery eyes, with holy eyes, with righteous eyes. They can pierce right into our hearts. And so he knows what we're thinking. He knows the inner beings and the inner workings of our lives. But he receives us still as children. And that's how he's calling us to look at others with those same eyes. love what Paul also says in Romans chapter 2. He says this, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Why? Because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. You know that the judgment of God, that's the only right judgment. Amen? The judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, oh man, you who <clears throat> that you will escape the judgment of God? Or verse 4, or do you presume on the riches and His kindness and the forbearance, that means man waiting, right? And the patience, not knowing that God's what? Kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And this passage just reveals to us a number of things there that we cannot judge accurately people's hearts, but only God can. And, and then God is speaking to us, hey, 
Don't think you can escape the true judgment unless you have a repentant, broken, poor in spirit type heart. Then you know you're in the right place. And so point number one is this. Be generous. Be generous, not critical. Amen. And then point number two is this as we move on to the next part of the text is, man, judge yourself first before you seek to help others. Judge yourself first before you seek to help others. I said the title of the message was How to Cure Your Eye Disease, right? Some of us have an eye disease, and this is what Jesus points out here. Look at verses 3 through 4 in Matthew 7. He says, Why do you see, notice the word see here, notice the why do you see the speck, the speck that is in your brother's eye? But do not notice, so the focus is on we're looking for something, right? But do not notice the log. I love Jesus' words here, right? The hyperbole here that he's using. I mean, it's just beautiful. The log that is in your own eye. He says, you've got a tree coming out of your face, and you're trying to help them out. It makes no sense. Look at verse 4. Or how can you say so now this, it went from seeing to now saying. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Some of us got an eye problem, an eye disease, and it's not cataracts, although some of us have that and wrestling with that. It's not uh, some other uh, defect. It's not pink eye, but it's kind of like pink eye. I like to call it plank eye. Right? Some of you, in fact, go ahead and reach over, touch your neighbor and say, I think you got a little something in your eye there. You got a little something in your eye there? Now, I brought with me today a little two by four, right? Just to help us see this, right? And just think about how crazy this is and how Jesus is so kind to us by giving us this analogy, right? That I'm trying to point out a speck. And just like pink eye, right? If if you don't take care of pink eye, man, you don't rub your hands all in your eyes and you go shake somebody else's hand and then, you know, man, you can do damage to other people, right? And and what we don't realize is when we got plank eye, right, we can cause damage to other people. Right? I got this plank coming out of my face and I'm like, hey, Caitlin, let me let me help you with that. And it's like, pow. And then I might get Jesse and just pow and hit Parker. And it's like, I'm, I got plank eye. Jesus says what? First. First, judge yourself. You're spending your time looking at them. You're spending your time trying to help them. Lord knows you need to be looking at you. Get the plank out of your own eye. Start asking the Lord, Lord, where, where am I needing change at? Lord, where am I needing forgiveness at? Lord, where do I need to repent? That's a great prayer to pray. Lord, what do I need to repent of today? God, would you show me? I love how... David in the Psalms, he says this, he says, Lord, test me and try me and see if there's any wicked way in me. That's a great way to begin and end your day, amen? Lord, test me. Lord, just see if there's anything wicked in my heart today. You maintain that posture, you'll, you'll, you'll be in a good place. Get the, the plank out of your eye because it causes damage to other people, amen? you got an eye disease. And planks really come from, from this. From, from slowly and unchecked and critical spirit that is not from the Lord. You hear me? But we slowly allow the feelings of superiority to rise up in us. It happens slow, right? A little bit here, a little bit there. I'm better than them. 
I'm, I'm smarter than them. I'm prettier than them. I'm, I'm more uh, proper than them. I'm definitely, and look, we do this all the time. Those judgmental people. Oh, my goodness. They're out there judging everybody. Those judgmental Christians. I'm not a judgmental Christian. Just judging all the judgmental people. That's how sneaky it is. That's how sneaky it gets in our hearts. We just feel a little bit superior. Thank God I'm not like those people. I love how later on in the Gospels, Jesus just gives this beautiful picture. He says, there's two people praying, right? And the righteous guy comes up and he prays. And Jesus tells the spirit and he says, man, I, God, I'm just... And basically, he, he thanks himself for being in God's presence. He says, I'm so glad I'm not like those other people. So glad I'm not like those other sinners and those wicked people. And he's praying and leaving his offering there at the temple. And then this other man comes in. He's, he's a poor, wretched sinner. He knows that he's done wrong. And the Bible says he beats his chest. And he says, God, please forgive me for I'm a sinner. And Jesus said, which of those two men went away justified? He said, the one who admitted that he was sinful and poor in spirit and in need of God's grace. So watch out for your plank. I heard the story about a lady in the airport. She was traveling, right? And uh, you know she had a little bit of time before her flight was going. And, um, and she stopped to get some cookies and a coffee. And then she sat down on those benches there. And, uh, and as she sat down, she was getting ready to eat her cookies and her coffee. And, and the guy next to her opens up the bag of cookies and begins to eat her cookies. And she is like, am I in the twilight zone? Like, what what, what just happened here? And so she kind of looks at him, and then she's shocked. She doesn't know what to say. You know how you get a position where you're shocked? You don't know what to say? And, uh, and so she's like, well, I'll just reach in there and grab a cookie. Maybe he'll get the hint. So reach in there, grab the cookie, kind of looks at him out of the corner of her eye, like, take my cookies, fool. And, uh, and the guy reaches in there and grabs another one. And she's like, what on earth is going on? The nerve of some people to take cookies. And uh, I can't believe what this world is coming to. So she reaches in and takes out another cookie. And then he reaches in and takes out another cookie. And then she is like, and then so she reaches in. He's not getting it. And so they keep going back and forth. And she's like, this is absurd. So finally, there's one more cookie left. That guy reaches in there and breaks it in half and gives half to her. <laughs> and she loses it. She is ticked. right? She is steamed. She is like, the neuron. And she's about to go off on this guy, right? And then over the loudspeaker, like, shh, light, eight, four, two, seven. And she's like, I gotta get up. So she grabs all her stuff, gets going there, you know, muttering, cursing underneath her breath. God, some people. She gets on the, you know, gives her ticket, scans the ticket, gets to the flight, goes down the gate, gets in her seat. She's huffing and puffing all her stuff, put it up there. She's just thinking, ticked off the whole time. Some people, just rude, uh, just no manners, just ungodly, despicable people. She sits there and is still just thinking about it, you know, and they're getting ready to take off. She opens up her purse to get out a tissue and just kind of, you know, check her makeup and everything. And in her purse, she finds her bag of cookies. Right? It's, it's plank eye. We're thinking about all these other people, right? She's judging that dude so hard when the whole time she was the cookie thief. It's unbelievable what we do, and it lurks in all of our hearts. I told you guys the story the other week about, uh, you know, we got chores in our house, and um, and we, you know, we 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 navigate the chores, and these kids got that. And every couple of months, you know, it starts to break down. We got to redo them and assign them to different kids and different people, and 
And, um, and a lot of times I'm thinking, I got to remind my kids at the end of the day, hey, did you do your chores? Did you, did you feed the animals? Did you, did you do the dishes? Why, why do I have to call you out of bed and get you to do this again? I'm like, these lazy and ungrateful little kids. How hard is a chore is what I'm thinking, right? You got all day to play. I'm at work. Your mom's busy doing stuff and working and planning. And, and you get to play. And you got one or two chores. We ask, this is not hard stuff, people. Until I got those chores. And then all of a sudden, I was like, man, I don't want to do the kitty litter. It doesn't smell that bad. Just walk away from this. And the wife's like, you do the kitty litter? And I'm like, just getting ready to do that now, baby. But in my heart, I was really like, it doesn't smell that bad. It could stay for another day. What am I really saying? I am too lazy. I am too ungrateful to do one little chore at the end of the night, right? And here I am judging my kids for that same thing. First, take the plank out of your own eye, amen? First, judge yourself. Then you'll be ready to help somebody else. Thirdly and finally is this. Help others with the spirit of humility. I feel like I'd be on the worship team, but this, is good. this could be good for a lot of things. I feel like this could be a guitar. I could wake people up who are sleeping in church. This is, this is multi-purpose plank. All right. Hacksaw Jim Duggan will go to rest there. Help others with the spirit of humility. Now we get into this question of, all right, I know I'm not supposed to be judging people um, harshly. I need to go with a, a, a generous heart, not a critical heart. I need to examine and, and judge myself first. But are we supposed to be judging other people? The reality is, yes, there is a judgment that we make all the time. Done with the right heart and the right attitude, that can be handled the right way when it's done with the spirit of humility. Because the goal here is to help others. Not to prove I'm more righteous, not to prove that I'm smarter or that I'm better than you, but I go to you with an attitude of humility saying, hey, you do have a speck in your eye. I would actually like to help you get that speck out because I could see how that could be problematic. I could see how that would hurt you and bother you. Let me help get the speck out of your eye. So look at what the next verse says. So if, if you look at, at verse 4, right, he says, first get the, the plank out of your own eye, right, when... And then verse 5, he says, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye. And then look at the word there. Then. Then. Then what? You don't judge your brother. No. Then you will see how clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. So he doesn't go on to say like we're never to make uh, judgments because people do wrong things. They do wicked things. And and primarily, always, we're going to judge based out of this book, out of the Bible. So if you're judging somebody for something that's outside of the Bible, guess what that is? That's just your opinion and my opinion. And as my good friend will often say, everybody's got opinions. They're kind of like armpits. Everybody's got them and they all stink. But when we come out of this book and say, hey, look, man, you know, lying is, is clearly a sin. And, and you told a lie. I was there. I, I watched you on the phone. How can I help you with that in the spirit of humility? I'm not better than you. Because look, I told some lines too. How can I help you? But but it's there are some clear lines that God has drawn in his word. And it's okay to call those out in a spirit of love, gentleness, humility. 
John chapter 7, the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 4, Jesus was, was beat up for healing on the Sabbath. And, and he talks to those guys because they were like, you can't heal on the Sabbath. He's like, you guys do this on the Sabbath. And he was straightening them out. But then he said this. He says, do not judge by appearances, but judge with what? The right judgment. Jesus, those are the words of Jesus, folks. And he just told us to judge with the right judgment. So we are called and commanded to judge, but judge rightly from the word of God. Pastor and theologian John Stott said the command to judge is not a requirement to be blind, but as we said earlier, a command to be generous, knowing that we don't know all of other people's motives. In the Bible, there was a horrific situation that happened in a church, uh, in the Corinthian church, and there was a lot of sexual immorality. Uh, it was very common in the, the city of Corinth. It was just a pretty filthy place. And, um, and there was a, a man in the church claiming that he was a Christian and yet sleeping around and even sleeping with people in his family. And they had to call that out. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 11 through 13. He says this, But now I am writing to you, watch this, not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. Here's, here's one of the key things. They're calling themselves a Christian as guilty of sexual immorality or greed or as an idolater or a violer or a drunkard or a swindler, not even to eat with such a one. You're like, Danny, that sounds harsh, Pastor. The focus is on someone who has claimed the name of Christ and is unwilling to repent. He says, watch this, verse 12. For what do I have to do with judging outsiders? In other words, those who don't know Christ. I, I can't judge them. They're sinners, and sinners act like sinners. But people who say they've been changed by the grace of God should bear some fruit, right? And he says this, is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Purge the evil person from among you. Wow, Pastor, that is that what, done with humility? Absolutely that's done with humility. I was in a situation a number of years ago uh, where there was um, adultery in, in, in a marriage, and, and this brother uh, was claiming the name of Christ, was, was saying I'm a believer. And then when I said, hey, man, cheating on your wife, bro. You're destroying your kids. I love you. How can I help you? So I'm not cheating on my wife. I've never even been married to her. I was like, you got kids by her, bro. She's got a ring on her finger. Y'all been married for 25 years. What do you mean? And then he went off on some whole tangent, right? Some weird, no, we were never really married. And I was like, you were really married. Okay. I don't care what you call it. But you were married to this woman and what you're doing now. And it was done with humility. It wasn't done on better than you. It was done with gentleness. But he continued to say, I can do this. And I don't care what you say. And then this is when that passage comes in. This is when you have to say, you can't claim the name of Christ and continue to destroy and walk recklessly. You can't do both of those things. So we have to treat you as if you were not a believer. So I, I love you. We care for you. We want to support you, but you're unwilling. And that's really what the next part of that verse um, talks about in chapter 7. Right? That kind of strange verse, chapter 7, verse 6, it says, Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before the pigs, lest they trample them uh, underfoot and, and turn and attack you. In other words, what he's saying is, you can't ram stuff down people's throats. If, if, if they don't want to listen to you, you just leave them. Hey, look, I came to that brother. I approached him in gentleness. I called him out. I had the evidence. I had plenty of evidence, way too much evidence that I ever cared to have. Thank you very much. And, uh, and, and uh, hey, he didn't want to listen, so I, I'm not beating down his door. I'm not, I'm not 
uh, attacking him. You know who's got to change his heart? God has got to speak to that man. And so Jesus kind of said it this way. If you go someplace and they receive you, preach there. But if you go someplace and they kick you out and they hate you, he says, shake the dust off your feet. You don't ram things down people, people's throats. And so that's really what that means. I love what Galatians 6.1 says. It says, brothers, again, brothers, those in Christ, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. How? In a spirit of gentleness. And then look at the rest of the verse. Keep watch on yourself. In other words, check your eye regularly. Check the plank in your eye. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Amen? And so there is an opportunity for us to lovingly confront brothers and sisters in Christ and to say, hey, look, you've clearly crossed the line here. Adultery is a clear line. Lying is a clear line. Stealing is a clear line. And, and I love you enough to to say, hey, I'm not judging. I'm not passing final judgment on you, but I am saying you stepped across the line here. I'm not saying you're a, a wicked, evil person. I'm saying you're worse than me, but I care enough about you to get that speck out of your eye. We do that with a generous heart, with a humble heart, with the spirit of Christ in us. So here today, we're getting ready to celebrate the Lord's table. In fact, I'm going to ask the men to come uh, get the Lord's table ready for us. And really, this is such a beautiful picture, right? As we take the bread and the juice, this is really the, the culmination, if you will, right? 